I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to 20s Are Hard, our fortnightly podcast on surviving your 20s. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a busy couple of weeks, but in a weird way, it's been really busy during the week and I've had kind of nice quiet weekends, which makes a change. And it actually gives me the chance to kind of recover on a weekend, which is is nice. Um, But yeah, last weekend I went to a travel expo, which was... Oh, very exciting. I saw you got your business cards for that. Oh my gosh, I felt so official. It was amazing. What Uh, is a travel expo? I don't really know, like... I have a vague idea of what it is, but I think it'd be nice for me and everyone else listening to know what it is. <laughs> it's just like a big, a big event. They have them all over the world and usually like quite big kind of um, like exhibition venues and things like that. And it's basically businesses which are in the industry coming and like showcasing their products. So okay. at this one, it was everything from kind of like tourism boards from all over the world to local tourism boards and, um, um airlines were there there was the flight center um there were people from like tour groups so like contiki or intrepid they had representation and like huge stands for like piano cruisers and royal caribbean so they're pretty big things and there's big companies and businesses there and there's lots of kind of like um talks from people in the industry and it's kind of it's weird because it's a mix between people using it as a, as a business platform to network, but then also normal people can actually go and book their holidays and stuff there as well and find oh, out. That's cool. Yeah. So there's places like got the cook islands had a stand and I found out that you can get a direct flight from Brisbane to the cook islands in like oh three gosh. hours, which you have to do that. Oh, I would love to, but it's the cook. Islands, uh, the cook islands are actually really expensive because there's not a huge amount of tourism. So yeah to go there things are still costs are pretty high but anyway it was it was so much fun I'm really really glad that I went it was my first one so it was kind of like a big learning yeah it was a lot of fun and um yeah I've just been busy and trying to do a tour of every rooftop in Melbourne before we leave a rooftop bar I mean um (laughs) obviously jumping from rooftops like some sort of parkour Oh my God, could you imagine? It'd be like seeing a giraffe just jumping between rooftops. It would be the worst case of Bambi on ice ever. I don't recommend you do that one. (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, How are you? (laughs) What have you been up to? I'm good. Um, I went to Bristol last weekend, which I love. Me and Alex, halfway we went to Bristol, which was so lovely. I just love the city. Um, Funnily, so when we went in the summer, we went and it was kind of the summer holiday, so there weren't as many students. And we said at the time, if we'd ever planned to move there, we would have to go back when all the students were there to get a proper feel for it. It's definitely quite different when all the students are there. Um, But but I still really love the city. And we just basically spent the weekend eating, which was glorious. Amazing. But then we had that storm Kira rock in on Sunday morning and it screwed up all the trains getting home. So that was a little bit stressful. But Bristol was absolutely lovely. And having a really sunny, crisp winter's day just made us feel like spring is actually on its way. Oh, those are the best days when it's, even if it's cold, but the sun is still out. I love that. Yeah, it was really cold, but it was still light at 5 p.m. And it just makes such a difference. Like it makes you feel like you still have more of a day left. So it was just a really nice way to spend the weekend, really. Um, and I've been up to some other stuff as well, but actually that's going to be my recommendation. So I'm not going to mention that now. I'll save it so I don't repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a good segue. Do we want to move on to the recommendations? Yes. Okay. So if should I kick off with the one I'm referring to? Yes, go. 
Cool. So on Tuesday night, I went to see Waitress with one of our friends, Becky, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Like we booked this back in October or November. Instead of doing like Christmas presents this year, we said, let's not bother with Christmas presents. Let's just put the money towards going to see Waitress instead. Um and do something nice in the new year and that in itself was so lovely because that's such a good idea yeah well we both said when we met up like we're so pleased we booked it and we booked it so long ago that we'd almost forgotten about it and then we're like oh we've got this to look forward to and that was really lovely in itself so I'd highly recommend doing that um but Waitress is just brilliant it's if people don't know it is based on a movie um and Sarah Bareilles did all the music for it and brought it to Broadway quite a few years ago now and now it's in the West End it's basically the story of a woman who is a brilliant pie maker, um, but in an abusive relationship, she falls pregnant and then proceeds to have an affair with her gynecologist. Um, oh, wow. So okay. It's, quite a, it's an unusual storyline. And I kind of thought it would be quite fluffy and cheesy and um, quite kind of happy-go-lucky. And it was quite fluffy and cheesy, but it also dealt with some really, like some much bigger topics and questions of morality and all sorts of things. And it just made me feel brilliant. Like the music was amazing. Sarah Bareilles was absolutely incredible because we actually managed to get tickets for the run she's doing in the West End. Oh, um, amazing. The, her, her voice is absolutely phenomenal. The cast were all brilliant. And I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. And that hasn't happened since I watched The Greatest Showman. And we all know how much <laughs> I love The Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've actually heard so many good things from people who have seen The Waitress. Like I've, I'm kind of sad that I haven't got the chance to see it, but it sounds amazing. It's amazing. I don't think it's in the West End for much longer. So if you're in the UK, um, definitely don't hang around trying to get tickets. I don't think there are any tickets left for Sarah Bareilles, but I do believe there's a run after her. Um, So I think you can still get tickets for it. So I'd really, really recommend. I don't think the soundtrack has half the impact if you haven't watched the show. Yeah, I feel like that about a lot of a lot of musicals though like you need to have seen the show to really understand how it all fits in yeah but yeah I would really recommend if you're looking for and tickets weren't extortionate either like I think we're in the stalls and I have a feeling we paid about 40 quid for our tickets I think that's pretty good so it's it's pretty reasonable um and now this is like an added tip um if you go on to the what's the word I'll leave the website link below I think it's called TKTS Um, which does like last minute tickets for theatre shows in London, you can book in advance tickets for 10, 20 and 30 pounds for loads of different shows. So the seats aren't great and there's only like one or two tickets available at that price, but it does make it a lot more accessible to go and see shows, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Should we move on to your first recommendation? Yes. My first recommendation is an article, which I apparently am making a habit of every week now. I love um, it because it gives me something to read. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I love them, especially because I'm commuting again now. So if I come across articles, I save them in pocket and then I can read them on my commute, which is my favourite thing to do. Um, and it's an article that's titled, You're Not Lost, You're Just Too Early in the Process. And, oh, I love that title. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly as it sounds, but it's someone who is a very well-established journalist and writer and the amount of people it starts off and he's saying the amount of people that send him a message on Instagram or on Twitter saying that they they feel lost and they just don't know what their like what their direction is in life it's like I I struggle to identify because I don't feel lost and then I click on their profile and I see that they're 
they're in their early 20s, they've just graduated, they've just got into a career. And he's saying, if you're less than five years into your chosen career, that feeling is normal, you're not lost, you're just still learning. So it's like part of the process towards success is having a huge learning curve because you're going to make mistakes. It's not just Mm going to fall into your lap straight away. And then to stop comparing yourself to other people and stats from people more successful than you because they're already successful and that's what you're aiming for. That's not where you are now. So it's not really a fair comparison. And then using those people to be inspired by them rather than jealous of them. And he's saying like, yes, there are people that get to those places by taking shortcuts or maybe they got a trust fund or something like that. But the bottom line is just be inspired by where they are now, if that's what you're aiming for. And every process is different. Like you can't, you can't judge your progression on someone who did the same thing 10 years ago because times change, technology has changed, like so much is different. Um, it's just, it's a really, I know we've spoken about it so much because we're like, why aren't we a CEO already of our own company? <laughs> but, um, he's kind of saying, if you've been doing something for less than five years, like your chosen career path in life, then don't expect to be a successor. And just, he, he ends it with this phrase. And I loved this. It says, fall in love with the process. You're not lost. You're just early. I love that. that. I feel like that really sums up a lot of discussions I've been having with people recently about this idea that I always thought I had to be like top of my game by my mid 20s and by 30 be like absolutely killing it in my career and be really, really high up in the career ladder. But then I had a moment of thinking that a lot of the people I know in my life, like people of like my parents' generation, have only really got to those places in the past like five or so years. I don't really understand where I've got this idea that I have to do it 25 years before them. And also, what am I going to do for that big chunk of my career if I've already, like, am I going to start at the bottom in something else again? I won't want to do that. So I think it is really, um, it feels very poignant as a topic to start an article because I don't think we're alone in feeling like we have to have succeeded in everything before you hit yeah. your mid-20s or else you failed. I don't think it's as binary as that. But I think, like he points out, people have messaged him saying that they feel lost. And I think that's kind of really, again, links back to social media and how much information everyone has at their fingertips. And if you can so easily see all these people that you're inspired by on like social platforms every day, absolutely killing it. I mean, same thing goes where you don't actually know what's going on behind the scenes, but it becomes so easy to be like, oh, well, why haven't I got that far yet like I think I don't know you just need to stay in your lane in like the nicest way possible and just focus on what you're working towards I heard something really nice the other day as well that said life is not a pie as in it's not that there's an allotted amount of success to go around and you have to take a slice of it like there's as much as you want there to be and I just thought that was really brilliant that's like yeah I like that um Anyway, what's your second recommendation? So I almost didn't recommend this because we spoke about her last week, but this actually leads on so well from the article that you've just referred to. And I've not stopped thinking about this podcast since I listened to it. It's called the Take Flight Podcast and it's by a guy called Mark Whittle. And he basically interviews people who are at the peak of their career or who um, 
work within getting other people to be really successful. And he's interviewed some really interesting people over the past like year or so, like from sports people to influencers, like a really wide variety of people. And we discussed Lydia Millen's article last week on the podcast. And she is actually on this podcast this week with her mm. husband, Ali Gordon. And the podcast episode is absolutely amazing. They basically just break down loads of things to do with success, to do with um, their work ethic and how they've got to where they are because they've both kind of pioneered large parts of that kind of influencer industry. And they speak about their journey and how they've gone from... And Lydia very openly talks about yeah. how she went from essentially being homeless about seven years ago to where she is now and how you find that motivation within you to change your life without expecting other people to do it it's it's really it is really inspirational and her husband's yeah, really cool too. if you have you ever watched any of his content no I didn't even know that was who her husband was I'd never heard of him before so he does fashion content as well but the way he shoots stuff is absolutely phenomenal like the stuff he creates um We'll leave everything linked below anyway, but go and check out some of his IGTV stories after this, house because you will love them. Like, oh, I will. Oh, yeah. Even if men's fashion isn't your thing, like the way he shoots it and the whole process is amazing. So to hear them both talk about how they've kind of got to where they are and their approach to finding balance in life, and they talk about a really sad thing that happened to them this summer as well and how you can take that really negative experience and find a way to learn more about yourself and how you approach life. Um, it was a really interesting conversation. They've only released part one at the moment because it's actually like a two-hour podcast. Oh, wow. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, like they talked for ages. Um, so the next half comes out. I think it'll be live by the time this podcast goes live, actually. But I'd really recommend. I think um, it was really interesting to hear someone talk about the industry in quite a different way. Like I feel like they have quite a fresh perspective on it and how they work with brands. Yeah, that sounds yeah, really I'm, interesting. I'm definitely going to give that a listen. Yeah, like it is a long podcast, but I feel like the way, I feel like you'll really like it, like the way they approach things about how you don't have to be, like you can learn from every situation. Like if you succeed, brilliant. If you don't, you learn. Yeah, I like that. No, I'm going to give that a listen. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that was my second recommendation. What's yours? Um, my second recommendation is actually a band and it's an Australian band. I feel very, um, I feel as if I've become part of uh, the Australian music scene a bit more because I'm not the most, I don't really listen to music that much. I'm not the You one. don't really, do you? No, That's I, something we really don't have in common. Like yeah. I listen to hours and hours and hours of music and you really don't, do you? Yeah, I really, like, I'd rather listen to a podcast than listen to music and I think I mean, this is going into a whole other thing, but I feel like I get very affected by a music genre. So then if I listen to something sad, I'll just mope. Like, I'll just be like, oh, woe is me. Like, I mean, you could just not listen to sad music, but okay. <laughs> I know, but all the cool stuff apparently is slightly forlorn sounding. So uh, if I Really? Go, Do you think? Yeah, I just think like a lot of the indie stuff is a little bit like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I have such an eclectic music taste, though, that I literally have a playlist for every mood. But this is a completely different topic. Different. Um, um, we, we should discuss my music taste at some point because I know it shocked you to your core. Is yeah, quite unexpected. But um, in an unexpected <laughs> twist, I've actually been listening to some music by a band, an Australian band. 
um, and they're called Cool Sounds. And they're very, I actually, I actually saw them live. We went to a gig a couple of, oh God, it was like a couple of months ago now, before Christmas. And I've just carried on listening to them. And they have such a nice, they're like indie pop. So it's not kind of like hardcore out of my comfort zone. Because if I listen to anything, it's going to be pop. But they have such a nice, and they're actually a seven-piece band. So there's a lot going on. They've got like a saxophone in some songs. They've got a keyboard. They've got singers. They've got guitarists and drums. And they just, they have a real, real talent. And I think, I don't know if I appreciated that more because I saw them live as well and was just kind of like blown away by the musical skill and the vocals that were going on. But um, they've got some great music and they've got a couple of albums out as well. And I think there's one called Cactus Country and another one called Around and Down which I quite like. But um, yeah, they're on Spotify and they're just easygoing and quite fun to listen to. So if you want to try out some Australian music, I can absolutely recommend. I'm going to listen to them today when I'm in the hairdressers for a ridiculous number of hours. <laughs> Yay. Let me know what you think. I will. I will. Um, should we move on to this week's topic? Yes. So this week we wanted to discuss setting boundaries and just boundaries in general because it's something we both feel is really important and really relevant and something that actually if we're honest we've not been very good at doing in the past and don't feel it gets discussed a lot but actually setting boundaries is really important just for basic self-care and making your life that bit easier. So we wanted to give it a bit of airtime and kind of discuss how we've gone about setting boundaries and why we think you should start to if maybe you don't already yeah I think I don't know about you but I feel like it's not something that I've really been that aware of until maybe I don't know 18 months like two years ago I I never considered it as an issue or something that I needed to be aware of and I think that's such an important part of it because I think being self-aware is really how you realize where those boundaries need to be and that takes a lot of practice to realize definitely I think as soon as you start to notice um certain feelings you're having in certain situations you can start to think about building boundaries but or setting them but it takes a bit of time to get to that point in the first place I think to your point it's something I never realized I had to do (laughs) Yeah, which sounds a little bit silly, but no one ever talks about it. So I didn't realize that I had to personally impose these boundaries on my life or no one was going to respect them just because I thought they might be nice. Like I had to actively do something to set them. Yeah, well, I think it's because there's that mentality that you should be giving 100% all of the time. And yeah, as you... I think as you become more aware, you realise that that is actually just not possible. You cannot give 100% to your job, 100% to all of your relationships, your friends, your family, your partner, all of your hobbies. Like You will burn yourself out. And I think that's like bottom line. If you're not sure what setting boundaries means, that's what it is. It's imposing those limits so you don't burn yourself out. Definitely. I feel like I've kind of been feeling my way in the dark. And like I think over the past definitely the past year I've really taken steps to set clearer boundaries in loads of different areas of my life um but I feel like in doing so I've kind of felt I had to feel my way in the dark a bit like I don't really feel like there's a guide to this and I don't feel like um it's like I definitely haven't always got it right first time no but I think it is quite a foreign concept I mean if you're just thinking about like work for example there's this expectation that you're 
giving 100%, you're, there's that weird work culture where you stay late or you work through your lunch break. So then realizing that that's not actually normal, you've just become used to it. That's, it's all part of that realization in setting those boundaries. And the same with, I feel like my biggest issue, and I guess it does play into guilt as well, is feeling as if I should accept every single social invitation that comes my way. Yes, I should always be out having fun, socializing, seeing as many friends as possible, going to all of the drinks and events and everything. And then I wonder why I get home and feel like crap. Yeah, I always feel a little bit like I I don't feel so much now, but I think previously I felt quite guilty about the idea of setting these boundaries and putting myself first and saying, nope, I'm going to make sure that I get home a reasonable time after work. And actually, one of the things for me I realised is when I'm away on weekends, I would get back home at like seven, eight, nine o'clock at night on a Sunday night and then be exhausted on Monday and be like, why do I feel like I've not done anything? Yeah. So now I'm like, no, I have to be home before 5 p.m. Maybe I'll be home by six, but then I can do it on case by case basis. And I don't feel guilty anymore. Like to begin with, I was like, oh God, I'm awful. Like I'm saying, I don't want to hang out with my friends. And it actually isn't that at all. And I think the more you set boundaries, the less you feel guilty about it. Yeah, because I think there's that, I think part of that guilt is because you're worrying about the other person's response. Like, oh, are they going to be annoyed with me? Or are they thinking that I don't like them? But actually, if they are your friends, that's that's not what they're thinking. They, You just explain that you're setting these boundaries and they should totally be respecting of that. And also everyone should have boundaries. So if that's what yours yeah. are, then yeah, that's fine. I think setting boundaries is so important and it's kind of the ultimate act of self-care. Like our generation love to talk about self-care and wellness and have a bubble bath and put on a face mask. And I personally don't think that is what self-care is about. It's actually protecting yourself and making your life better. And I think this is a really brilliant example of how setting boundaries plays into that because once you have that boundary set and it's very clear in your mind, it just makes it easier to stick to. Yeah, I mean, boundaries are... I, in my mind, boundaries are healthy and they're also necessary. I think to have that balance across all areas of your life, you do need to have boundaries so you're not burning the candle at both ends kind of thing. And I think to just touch on what you said there, it's not it doesn't just happen overnight, but you do need to practice them because it is all about breaking maybe some bad habits that you've got into and then practicing setting those boundaries. And I think on that with habits, it plays the other way too. Like once you set a boundary and you keep like you keep sticking to it, that in itself becomes a habit. So it becomes more second nature and you don't think about it as much. But in order to do that, you have to unlearn another habit, which is quite difficult. And it's not always very nice. But I think once you have them, it's so much easier to identify when you're crossing them if you're maybe not feeling as resilient or maybe you're not feeling your best or you're exhausted or something else has happened it just highlights when you are crossing them if you've previously set it does that make sense yeah well I think it does take a lot of self-awareness to realize that something's having a negative effect on you because it has become a habit like I think we've spoken about it before but in the past and I think especially when I was at uni I would go out more nights of the week than I didn't 
And then I do all of my classes, do all of my work. I had a job as well. You do all of these things. And then I'd wonder why I felt awful. And that's, I literally yeah. was not self-aware enough to realize that all of those things put together, whilst they sounded fun and I had loads of fun and they were great and I was earning money and I was getting an education, all of those things sound amazing and they're things that I should be grateful for. And I obviously am grateful for them, for having friends and a job and an education. But I think I just, maybe I just wasn't mature enough to realise that all of those different aspects were actually having a negative effect on me, plus trying to make time to see family at home and see a boyfriend. And it is just too much. And I think maybe it is something that comes with being a bit older and kind of, you always have to realise how far you've gone and what a negative effect something's had on you to then be able to put those boundaries in place. Totally. I feel like I was in a real cycle of doing so much, like working all the hours under the sun, trying to do my blog, doing like going to see Alex, especially when he was abroad, like I would fly out in the middle of the week and fly back in the middle of the week and just go to work the next day. And then I would have every single weekend busy and then I'd get really, really sick and I'd feel awful or, you know, I'd be like a total anxious mess where I'd stop sleeping and I would get to a point where I was so ill that I couldn't leave bed. And then I'd be like, why am I ill? So I'd get better. I'd take a couple of days to rest. And then instead of kind of saying, oh, maybe I've overexerted myself, I'd go straight back to doing all of those things again. And a couple of months later, I would crash and burn again. And it was this really awful cycle. And it meant that I wasn't actually ever getting to where I wanted to be because I couldn't give 100% to any of these things because I was never allowing myself to have any time. Whereas over the past like year or so, I've got a bit better at saying, okay, let's stop before I get to the point where I'm really ill. And I definitely haven't always done that. There's definitely been times when I have kind of pushed myself a bit far, but it's nowhere near as frequently as it used to be. So I think that's kind of the win you have to take there is say, okay, I'm better today than I was yesterday. And I feel like the things I do do, I do, I said do so many times there, (laughs) and I can concentrate on more. And I have a bit more of like a clearer head to it. Whereas before, I think I felt quite, almost quite manic about everything. And like, I have to do everything all the time. I can't take a break. Whereas now I have those boundaries. I can acknowledge that actually when I have them, I'm better at the things I'm doing yeah I think I think that's really important and just that being in tune with your feelings and what your limits are in general and then not feeling guilty about it because I mean I think we've discussed this in other like podcasts other episodes other podcasts my other podcasts I have on the side (laughs) don't tell me about that We've discussed this in other episodes and I know that we've discussed it as well, but but where you just feel that you cannot have some time off. Like if you have a free afternoon, you have to take some photos, you've got to edit or you've got to work on the blog, or you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And I would always say, Oh, well, I don't I don't need to worry about doing those because they're they're hobbies, so it's just yeah. it's fine. But and no, I was still Oh, it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't still putting a ton of pressure on myself to do something every waking minute of the day, which is just not a feasible thing. Like last weekend, I'd had a really tough week at work. Things had just been so, so busy. And after the expo on the Saturday, which was fun, but quite draining on the Sunday, I literally stayed in bed and I watched, well, I watched the entire season of The Stranger on Netflix is what I did. 
Oh, is that any good? It's amazing. I shit, I should have recommended that. God damn it. Why didn't I write that on my list? Anyway, it's a bonus, it's a bonus recommendation. Um, but and at first, like when I first started doing it, I thought I'll just watch one episode and then I'll start doing work. And then after an hour, I was like, no, I need to do this. I need to just do nothing today and just take it easy because I was so burnt out that the thought of actually doing something, just thinking about it was making me stressed. And I was like, yeah. no, this is my limit. This like I'm setting myself a boundary. I'll go to bed early and tomorrow's a new week. And just that was that. And I felt so much better for that. I think that's really true, isn't it? It's some, like one of the ways to find out how you can set a boundary if you need boundaries is by thinking about that kind of icky feeling you get. Like you were saying, you felt stressed at the idea of doing something. That feeling in itself is horrible, but that should be your warning sign that you need yeah. to put a boundary in place there. Yeah. And I think it's the same with relationships. Like if you realize you spend a lot of time with someone, and I'm talking about any relationship, not just romantics, so friendships, relationships with family, whatever it is, if you frequently leave that person's company and realize that you don't feel great for whatever reason, that's on you to then set that boundary. And it doesn't have to be that you never see that person again or you never speak to them again. It could be more like, you know, you only ever go to see them so you can leave when you want to or you see them with other people so it doesn't feel as intense or instead of speaking to the person once a week, you speak to them once a month, whatever it is. That, but that clearly is a place you need a boundary because spending time with someone shouldn't be making you feel crap. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it is difficult, especially at the start, to identify like if that person's your friend or a family member, then there's that or a romantic relationship for that matter. But there's that expectation that every moment you spend together should be fantastic and you really care about that person, but if you have that feeling every time you see them and spend time with them, there's probably something that you maybe need to really sit down and kind of drill down into why you feel that way, because it's not, and again, that is a habit that you've probably gotten used to. And it's not always easy to identify those patterns, like working through lunch. Like I yeah, such a bad habit of doing that to the point where I didn't even realize it was a bad habit. I just, eat my lunch at my desk and oh I'd see an email pop up so I'll just I'll just answer that and it becomes a habit and you don't realize it's a bad thing until you realize you've not left your desk for eight hours five days in a row and you feel like crap like you need to put those boundaries in place it's almost it's not just self-awareness I think it's self-respect as well definitely I think so often things become like negative patterns become normal and they're normal to you. Like if we go back to that thing of like someone in your life makes you feel awful, if it's just accepted that they're not a very nice person and everyone else feels crap when you see them, you might say, well, it's normal. I don't need to set that boundary. But actually, just because no one else has set the boundary doesn't mean that you shouldn't take the step to do it. And you don't have to like sit down with someone and explain why you're setting a boundary. But sometimes it's just having that rule for yourself makes you feel better like you're taking control of a situation yeah and equally I think it's as much as you're taking control and you're imposing limits it's also like important to point out that boundaries don't have to be like permanent and unchangeable you can you can set a boundary on I don't know how late you work in the evening or how much time you spend with a certain person but like you said earlier you do have to do it on a case-by-case basis because 
sometimes you you're in the flow and you need to work late and it feels good to work late and you know that you'll leave yeah. with a great sense of accomplishment and that's fantastic if it's happening I don't know once every now and then once a week that's fine if it's happening every day of the week and you're checking your emails on the weekend no that needs to be reassessed but a boundary is not a brick wall that once it's there you can't change it yeah I think that's really true and I've definitely had boundaries that were very like I was very strict about them and set in stone and then circumstances changed and then I've removed that boundary or I've massively altered it and I think that's what's important isn't it is that you put it in place so that if you're not feeling as resilient like we touched on earlier it you've kind of got it all set up and it's there for you but then if an opportunity comes where you think actually maybe that boundary isn't serving me in the best way you can adapt it or you can make an exception. But the difference there, I think, is that you're making that choice consciously to either yeah. override the boundary or to alter it. It's not that someone else is coming in and making you change your boundary. Yeah, which again, all comes back to just being in tune with your feelings. Like sometimes you're not going to be having a great week, in which case, yeah, you probably need to implement the boundaries and just take care of yourself that week. If you're having a fantastic week things are going well relationships are going great and you want to go out for that extra social occasion on a Thursday evening after work then yeah why not it it's so dependent on on you and that's why I think sometimes boundaries get a little bit of slack from people because they're like oh it's I don't know like millennials being all like I don't know work shy or like they're being pushovers or self-care blah 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 but no, you do really need to take care of yourself. And having there is having that level of awareness can only be a good thing. Definitely. And I think on that thing of like, oh, it's a bit of a generational thing, millennials setting boundaries they can't cope. I think two things. Number one, pre like 20 years ago, you didn't need to set the boundaries that you wouldn't have notifications turned on on your work phone and that you wouldn't check your emails on the weekend and you wouldn't work when you got home because it wasn't actually a possibility. Like when I was growing up, my parents couldn't work from home because there wasn't the technology for them to work from home. So the boundary was kind of set anyway. And you wouldn't contact that relative every single week, or you wouldn't see that person all the time because you didn't have social media. So you might only see that person at big family occasions, in which case you could roll your eyes and go, they're a bit of a nightmare, but okay. Whereas now you can see your crazy aunt popping up on your newsfeed every single day spouting out whatever she wants that could make you feel awful so so true so like there isn't there isn't the societal boundaries that are set in place as clearly as they used to be so now we have to and don't get me wrong like I think it's great that you can work more flexibly like that's brilliant and it's brilliant that you can be more connected to people you wouldn't otherwise speak to frequently but like everything in life there's balance and every positive has that other side to it that you just need to be mindful of like Yes, flexible working is brilliant, but has it meant that it encroaches on your life too much? Yes, it's great for us that we can have our own websites and have a podcast, and that's really fun and exciting. But 30 years ago, we couldn't have done that, which is why we would have had more free time to do nothing. So although we enjoy doing this, we probably also need to go, okay, but what are our rules about this? Because we haven't grown up with a generation who had to set those boundaries so we haven't had that example set for us yeah that's so true I hadn't really thought of that but then now I kind of think of my own examples and because everyone is so instantly contactable with 
WhatsApp and iMessage and Facebook Messenger, everything is so at our fingertips. And one of the changes that, yeah, I don't do it as much now because I have an 11 hour time difference in Australia. But when I was working back in the UK, I had to kind of set myself a boundary of trying not to answer messages that came through from friends and family while I was at work not because it was a distraction or because I didn't want to talk to them but because I was often so stressed out at work that then seeing my phone having all of these notifications popping up and this person's messaged you and that person's messaged you on the days and the weeks that I was super stressed out that just put more pressure on me and I would just have to kind of put a boundary in place where no I'll check my phone at lunchtime if there's anything urgent I'll respond to it If not, just put it away and I will deal with the messages at 5 p.m. when I get out of the office because it was that. Yeah, it was so overwhelming. And it's not like there was anything like awful going on with my messages. It was just friends and family just chatting to me. But I felt the pressure to respond because of that instant contactable kind of culture. And also I was stressed at work and both of them at the same time. I was like, no, boundary is I'll deal with work now and I'll deal with this later. And I, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Like, it was probably like me texting you like, oh, when you want to record the podcast? Or, oh, what should our topic be this week? That in itself isn't stressful. But if you're already having a stressful day, you don't need me saying, oh, what about this other big thing we do? We need to plan it. Like, it's just it's just managing your capacity. Yeah, just taking one thing at a time. And I, just, I don't know, maybe 80% of the time I was absolutely fine and I could get back to everyone and that was no problem. But on that 20% of the time where I was really struggling putting those boundaries in place was so important. And I guess that is why it's important to have those flexible boundaries because sometimes you need them more than others. So another really good example of notifications there is something I've started doing with my phone in the evenings. So I, and I think we've discussed this before, I'm not a very good sleeper. Like I love being in bed, like just cozying up, but I actually do not sleep very well. And I realized one of the things, one of the reasons for that is that I would often get messages after like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And I would really feel the pressure to go back to them. Yeah. And actually, they were never urgent. Often it was friends like, oh, how your day? how's your day been? But then in responding, you're reliving everything that you've done that day. You're looking at a screen, which isn't great anyway. And you're kind of getting into a conversation and half an hour or 45 minutes would pass. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I, I'm still nowhere near ready for bed. So what I do now is I have, and I know you hate that I do this, but I set my phone to go black and white at quarter past nine. <laughs> it's not that I hate that you do it. It's just the phone becomes so unusable and I sometimes see you get annoyed by it. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea is that it becomes unusable and therefore you don't go on it as much. But that's kind of my, like I don't feel looking like clock watching, but it's kind of my cue to go, okay, if any messages come in at this point, you just ignore them. My phone goes on to silent and I have it set that I like, if my mom or if Alex or if you call, I get the call through and some other people as well. But like, I get the call through because if you're calling me that late at night, it's probably really important. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about that. But also, if you just text me going, lol, this funny thing happened today, I don't have to respond to it. So I'm like, well, actually, I can respond in the morning and that's yeah. fine. And it's definitely been a difficult one to set. And like a difficult habit to get into, but I've really noticed a difference. And now I kind of do it by like last night I was chatting to a friend. And I was like, actually, no, it's 10 o'clock. I'm, I'm not responding now. I'll respond in the morning. And also then you get to continue the conversation the next day, which is nice. Yeah. And also I think the important thing to say there, at least from my perspective, and I know a lot of all of your other friends as well, but 
no one is going to be annoyed that you don't respond like yeah. it's yeah it's not urgent it's not a life threatening imminent disaster that they will still be there tomorrow and you can reply then and I think it goes back to that kind of pressure and expectation that you should be contactable online all the time whether socially or at work and that's just it's not good for anyone no it's really not and it puts so much pressure on you but again that's something that's become so normalized in our culture that you almost don't realize the icky feeling that you have yeah. and then as soon as you realize it and as soon as you stop doing it you're like oh that's amazing like my mum would like unless it was like a call from me she wouldn't respond to a text I sent her at 10 o'clock at night I'd just have to wait for the next day because she wouldn't even think of having her phone on her to check that late at night because it's like that's not something she's ever done yeah. or ever needed yeah. to do and it's fine like I just I just know that if I text her at 10 o'clock at night she's probably gone to bed yeah so I don't know like so you kind of have to question why you do it differently and is there a good compelling reason frankly there isn't for me so <laughs> yeah no I think if you're looking to set boundaries I think it it all comes down to just taking some time maybe just over the next few weeks if you haven't got really any boundaries in place just over the next few weeks look at when you feel comfortable or and when you don't feel uncomfortable with something or look at what really makes you feel kind of exhausted or burnt out after doing certain things or seeing certain people and just kind of take your time to pick up on those habits because then that's probably a good indicator that maybe you need to set some boundaries or limits there yeah definitely I think starting with that icky feeling is a really good place to start and it might be that it's not very pleasant to work out why you need to set the boundary but I think longer term it is really beneficial and once you start setting them, it's like that thing of like an object in motion stays in motion. When you start setting them, it's easier to identify where else you could benefit from having a boundary. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the important thing is to not um, to not feel guilty about setting them either. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can, and I feel like we've discussed this as well, but you're only, you can only ever control your experience in life. Like you can only ever alter how you personally are receiving in a situation and the emotions you feel you can't control what another person says thinks or does so if you have those boundaries in place it means that you're then in a position where you can receive whatever the other crap is a bit more efficiently and in a way that's a bit like I don't want to say safer for you because I feel like that sounds quite extreme but just a bit more compatible with how you are yeah absolutely but I think that's everything that we wanted to cover on this topic this week. And it might be something that we go into more detail further down the line. So if this is a topic that you've enjoyed, please do let us know. We love to hear from you guys and take on any feedback that you want to send in. So you can contact us as always, either by email, which is 20 hard at gmail.com. Or you can head over to our Instagram page, which is instagram.com forward slash 20 hard. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify or Acast, and also leave us a five-star review. It makes it easier for other people to discover the podcast too. So thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye. Bye.